The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Charles, the playoffs are finally here, man. It's finally time for us to watch some uh, meaningful football. Lots and lots of it in one weekend, wildcard weekend. Gonna be so much fun. But first, I need for you to explain to me what the hell is happening with the New York Giants. Uh, this franchise, it, like, it seemed like they were going to keep Joe Judge. And then, like, what was the process there where they're like, we need a few days to mull over whether this goofball should be our head coach? Like, what is going on with this this organization? I don't know. It's just kind of, uh, I think for lack of a better word, pathet- pathetic. Like, this, I don't know. It's just, you know, this flaccid, limp-dick decision-making <laughs> where they can never decide, like, you know what they want to do or make a strong stance about anything. Mara has way too many yes men uh, around him. Uh, John Mara, the owner who right. makes all the decisions, he has just way too many yes men around him uh, that kind of let him get away with, you know, believing some ludicrous things. Like there was some reporting uh, coming out a few weeks ago uh, before things got really dastardly for the Giants that John Mara still thought that Joe Judge was going to be like his version of uh, Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of crazy to think on its own. But, you know, if you have these people uh, in your organization who are just kind of going to reinforce what you say just so they can keep their jobs, then uh, that ends up creating a situation like this where, you know, you end up you end up, you end up more succumbing to like public pressure than uh, you do just kind of an, like analyzing what's happening to your football team. So you get to a point where, you know, you're, you're sitting there at second and third down on week 18, you're four and 12, you have nothing to play for. And your, your head coach is uh, uh, doing two QB sneaks and then punting the ball. You know, that can't feel good to watch. And NFL owners don't like being embarrassed. And today, John Mara said that uh, he was embarrassed today uh, by what had happened with the Giants over the last few weeks. And I think that that's when, what ended up uh getting Joe Judge fired. Not yeah. so much that uh not so much that, you know, Judge is like totally incapable and really has never gotten anything going in the right direction. But, you know, John Mara was embarrassed. Yeah. It uh you know, it really says something about where we are uh as a country. Do you see that like the New York football giants are just a disaster of a franchise and they're owned by this like old money guy who inherited the team. And then the Chicago bears are just a complete and utter mess. Like might end up, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with their stadium. The franchise is just constantly, constantly feels against limbo. That's another like historical team owned by the same family for so long. But then the, 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 uh, the Washington football team is owned by a guy who like made his, made his billions uh, in more recent stuff, but that's also messed up. Like this is just uh, like, I don't know how you can own these franchises and be okay with, with running them as poorly as these people have. Uh, They think they're doing a good job. Yeah. just, they have all this money and power. They're like inherently smart or whatever. Yeah, they just convinced and they have all the, like you said, they have yes, yes, man, yes, man after yes, man lined up to tell them it's all okay. Yeah. Uh, but like the Giants, like they were pathetic this year, <laughs> yeah. especially on offense. You think, it's kind of impressive, like kind of how bad they got towards the end of the season. And who knows? Maybe Daniel Jones should win like MVP or something. Uh, <laughs> in, once he went down, they legitimately like cease to even look like a real football team anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> you just look at their first downs by game uh, over the past month of football, 
15 against the Cowboys, 15 against the Eagles, 13 first downs against the Bears, and then the closest season they had 10 first downs <laughs> on Sunday against Washington. So, you know, they're just, uh, they just really suck. Uh, and I think at some point <laughs> you just kind of have to uh, rip the Band-Aid off and realize it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, for sure. We're going to go through all the coaching changes and, you know, <laughs> probably do the the rank them by desirability thing that everybody does. But we'll talk about some of these changes and what we thought of them. Uh, we're also going to get into Chuck dropped a mock draft. Man, yeah. it's mock draft season. I yep. love it. Uh, Do we love it? Uh, well, you know, baby members love it. I, yeah, I mean. It's, it's uh, a fun exercise. Right. Like it's, it's the funny thing about it for me is like what you wrote today might end up being as accurate as like, anything right like uh the smartest people in the world are going to spend bajillions of dollars to prepare for this draft and like i don't you know 20 of the first 60 picks are just going to be flat out fucking wrong just like bad awful picks and like that's like it is just mind-boggling that and this all american sport like every american sport this happens we're, we're spending all this money on scouting and have all these experts and, and it's just like, it's still just a total crapshoot. So like what you wrote today may end up being like as accurate as anything. Like you may, you may have nailed it this time, like uh, in the constellation of stars of people putting out mock drafts and then eventually drafting, like, who knows this one, this might be the best one. We don't know. It's, yeah, uh, I, it's- I, I wrote a mock draft. I'm trying to find it. I wrote, I wrote one before draft this past year and it actually ended up like doing pretty well. Oh, yeah. here we go. Yeah. I found it. I got Trevor Lawrence, right? Zach Wilson, right? Trey Lance, right? Kyle Pitts, right? Jamar Chase, right? It's the top five, right? And then right. Uh, uh, I was off one pick for Jalen Waddle, and then I ended up. There was another pick late in the draft that I got right too. Oh, I got the Eagles to Devonta Smith. So you, yeah. who knows? Like I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not too bad at this. And then I also got uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in the right spot for the wrong team because the Vikings traded right, out. Trade, yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, my my mock draft prowess is like, look. If you want the right picks or you want to make some gambling money on some draft weekend, just follow me to prosperity. <laughs> uh, That's right. No one's going to guess better than me. Yep. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll go through some of your favorite players, guys you like, uh, you know. But first, the playoffs are set. Uh, probably not going to go through too much of week 18, uh, rehash what happened there. No, Obviously, the final game in the season. A lot was, of that was a waste of time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The, the final game turned out to be funny just because of how it ended. And, uh, you know, we got this scenario where the, uh, the, the Chargers and Raiders could have tied and both gotten in the playoffs and pushed I'm, the Steelers I'm, out. Can I say something real quick? I don't know. I'm very. You're always glad. allowed to say something, man. It's your, it's your podcast. So. <laughs> I'm very glad at how that game ended, um, just because I I just don't think that playing like playing a game like that with the intention of tying is good for the sport. Like I just don't think that. Yeah, but is Ben Roethlisberger good. playing in the playoffs good for the no, sport? No, but it, <laughs> I know, and I, and I, I fully yeah. understand and agree with what people are saying there because look, I'm not thrilled at the idea of watching Big Ben get sacrificed to the Chiefs either. Like I think maybe we could we could put together a situation where just for this time we get the AFC, they can go back to the sixteenth. <laughs> The format, and then the Chiefs can get a bye in the first round. We just kind of structured off that. Like, I, I don't want to watch the Steelers, but I just everyone was like, "Oh, you know, you should go into the game and tie." No, you should go in and try to beat the other team, just in the spirit of competition. So, especially against a divisional rival, hell no. It's more fun to kick them out of the playoffs 
and to have that bragging right than it is to sit there and kneel for four quarters and then you guys both get in. No, beat their ass. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that, and and I was and that was enabled by the Colts uh, losing to the Jaguars, and ex- like you know, I again, like I we often admit that we are wrong. We've been wrong about a lot of things. We were oh, wrong yeah. broadly about like. The Colts like, yeah, you guys should probably sit Carson Wentz early in the season because you don't want to lose that. You know, you don't want to have to give up really good draft pick. Like we were wrong about that. But we were right that like eventually Carson Wentz was just going to uh, be the downfall of the Colts. And yep. uh, he was. And now that franchise, you know, they, they end up losing to the Jaguars somehow. Uh, and now you know, the head coach, Frank Reich, is not giving Wentz a vote of confidence as far as coming back next year. Uh, you know, if you guys are on Twitter, you see all these numbers out there like uh, Wentz on games that uh, that Taylor, John the Taylor didn't run for 100 yards. Wentz was just like entirely ineffective. I mean, just one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and this is the guy that we've been describing for years now, just that he... I mean, he is the ultimate. Uh, he's he's just like a clickbait of a quarterback, right? Like he just he makes throws and he makes plays to get people to come in and say, like, yeah, I, I think I think Carson Wentz is the guy, and he has this yeah. thing about him that like he's tough, he's gritty. But uh, but then underneath, there's just the substance is entirely lacking. Uh, you know, it's just it's just not there. He can't be that guy game to game. He can't carry an offense. He can't elevate an offense. And the Colts, you know, they're just sort of stuck now. Like, uh, you know, if they can find a way to surround him with, like, three more good receiving options, he might be able to get them into the playoffs. But that's that's not where you want to be. Um, yeah. So... So this is, uh, you know, that was that was one that we broadly got uh, got correct. But uh, that that week 18 set us up with let's go through the playoff matchups um, just by uh, by date. Saturday, 430 game is Raiders of Bengals. Uh, the 815 game is Patriots of Bills. Sunday, one o'clock Eagles Bucks. Uh, 430 49ers Cowboys. 815 Steelers Chiefs. And then we get Monday Night Football Cardinals Rams again. Uh, this this the third time this year uh, should be a doozy of a game. Uh, Charles made some predictions, and uh, oh, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, probably probably not surprising here how you went with it. Uh, I, I don't think, yeah. but you you sort of went chalk with the uh, the home teams getting the wins here. What's uh, just something sort of overall? What's your thinking heading into these into this wild card round? Um, I mean, I just I, I like the matchups for the home team in every situation, which I guess is not that retiring or not that retiring, uh, surprising. <laughs> uh, based on you know, home teams tend to be mm-hmm. uh, pretty good teams at at this point in the playoffs. So, I uh, I went with uh, obviously the, the Chiefs over the Steelers. Uh, don't think anyone's gonna be surprised by that pick. You know, I, I hope that I'm not making too many Steelers fans upset because they are triggered fairly easily, but uh. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the hell out of the uh, the Steelers. Uh, same thing with Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. I think it's pretty amazing that Philadelphia has gotten this far, but uh, I don't really see them as a team that's ready to upset uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Dallas and San Francisco is kind of interesting because I, I I think that these teams are kind of close, but you know I, I think that Dallas just has more uh, talent on offense. And you know if I got to pick Dak or Jimmy G to get me across the finish line in the playoff game, I know where I'm going uh, on that one. Uh, and I think that like the two big games, yeah, I got Cincinnati over the Raiders too. Uh, I think it's, it's just kind of a miracle this Raiders team is here, but uh, I'm not sure that they have enough firepower to uh, to slow down where the Bengals are right now. But I think the, the two big games are 
uh, Arizona at Los Angeles and then New England at Buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I still just like what Buffalo is doing here mm-hmm. as of late. Like I, I think that that defense is really, really good. Like, uh, you know, like the numbers that they spit out this season, you know, they their pass defense is probably one of the better pass defenses like in the past few years. Uh, of football, and then on the other side, Josh Allen's making just enough play. So you know, I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Mac Jones in his first playoff game. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, with Bills, as long as Bills, there, they're going to be a lot more chances for him to get it done uh, in the coming years. And then with the the Rams and the uh, the Cardinals, that was this one was tough too. But you know, I, I just think just the recent trends of these teams. Uh, I think the Rams are playing better football as of late, so that's why I picked them. What uh. I- you know, I feel like whenever we go into the playoffs and Bill Belichick is there, uh, you know, it's nice to have him back after after a down year. Uh, what is his plan going to be to slow down Josh Allen? Because like you said, he's not uh, – it's not the guy that was like, oh, he might be a, uh, uh, you know, an MVP caliber guy. He's, he's not making that many plays. He's sort of more just getting along – getting by he's making enough plays but he's also been really good at running the football this year uh you know he's like uh his i, I think per scramble is way higher than anybody uh so you know he's really when he's when he's getting loose he's doing a lot of damage what does bill belichick do to try to to counter that because he's the guy who you know we know that's that's what he does right as he figures out what the other team is doing, what he needs to take away, uh, and you know. So, what is what is his approach? You think in this game? Um, yeah, I think for Bill, it's just you got, got kind of got to look at what happened in the last game, and they just allowed Josh to get out of the pocket so much uh, and to make plays. You know, especially you know down near the goal line in the red zone. Uh, that's where you can crush because he's not only can he run himself, but he's also pretty good at throwing on the run. And I think like, kind of an underrated thing about the Bills receivers, like, as you play with Josh Allen so much, you kind of yeah. get used to, right? you know, it, it's kind of like the same thing that the Seahawks receivers used to do with Russell Wilson back in the day when he was at peak of his powers. Like, you play with a guy so much where you, like, have to get used to a second play occurring all the time. Like, right. you're not going to get through the first progression all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to make something out of nothing with a broken play. Uh, and I think that that's something that the Bills receivers kind of don't get enough credit on, you know, how <laughs> – like you, you kind of got to stay ready. Like when you play with the quarterback like that, because you know you turn your back or you turn your head to the pocket, away from the pocket when you're running a route, and then you turn around and your quarterback's not where you expect it to be, and they're really good at kind of making those second plays happen. So I think for the Patriots, you know, keeping Josh in the pocket and just forcing the Bills to play on time and on schedule uh, is probably how you're going to get them to uh, slow them down the best because they're probably not going to be able to run the ball that well on New England. Uh, so it's going to be up to them to keep Josh in the pocket and force the passing game to stay on time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, you, Josh Allen. Like I, you know, I forget what his scramble rate was this year. I know in the past it's been, he's been right at the, like near the leaders. Uh, and, and it's generally like eight to 9% uh, of the time that a guy is going to leave the pocket and try to scramble or try to make, you know, extend a play. And, you know, I think extending a play is probably closer to 15 to 20%, depending on, who you are and what season, but you know, so you're talking about a fair number of plays and he's just better than pretty much anyone at doing at at both of it. Like you said, he, he can get yards with his feet. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good runner, but then he also, they have, the bills have figured out that sort of like second game, you know, that second, like second part of the play uh, where they keep it going. So uh, I am looking forward to that 
just seeing what Belichick does because he's just so good at taking all his different parts and moving them around and trying and trying to force them. Like you said, he's, I mean, it's, it's interesting because most quarterbacks, you know, if you're playing Matt Ryan, you're playing most quarterbacks, you're trying to get them out of the pocket. You're trying to make them uncomfortable. And like you said, like the goal here is to keep them on time is to keep right. Josh Allen, like th- almost throwing it. Like you want him throwing in rhythm. Uh, so what they do to make that happen will be a really fascinating matchup. Uh, what about the Cardinals Rams game? What, you know, two teams that we alternatingly were very high on all season. You know, we kind of felt like if we were, yeah, I think early in the season, you were super high on the Rams felt like, Oh man, this, this is the team. And then the Cardinals emerged and it was, you know, like, okay, now the Cardinals get it. And then they sort of flip flop back and forth. And now yeah. we're getting them in round one. What, what do you think the key is here? Uh, I, I don't know. Like for the, I just, I, I don't really. It's like, Eric Weddle. Really, they're going to bring Eric Weddle out of exactly. I didn't even know this was a thing. It's like a, I yeah. wish they would have just not announced it and had him like come out of the tunnel. Just yeah, that like was kind of weird. Match. He hasn't played in two years. Uh, I know, man. I don't really know what, what's going on there. But for the, the Cardinals, I don't, I, it's weird because I can't really like pinpoint one exact thing where, like why they've kind of stumbled maybe. Uh, in recent weeks, or haven't looked this good because you know at one point this was a team that was winning games uh, without Kyler Murray, and then you know they're getting blown out by the Lions. Uh, they lost to the Colts. Um, they lost to the Seahawks to close the season, uh, and you know they just don't really look like uh, that dominant team that we saw early, earlier in the season. I think for them, it's just the biggest thing is going to be uh, getting big time production out of Kyler Murray in his first playoff game uh, because uh, I think the Rams offense, like they're kind of getting back to a place where they're figuring out how uh, to score and and generate those big plays that they need. Uh, They got Cam Akers back from injury. The offensive line is in a spot where they should be able to run the ball uh, on the Cardinals and they're home too. So I think that this is going to be a tough matchup for the Cardinals, but uh, if Kyler Murray comes out and is ready to play and, plays basically how he did earlier to start the season, then they have a pretty good chance to get the upset on the road. Yeah. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going through, uh, obviously, some some injury difficulties, especially at wide receiver. And uh, can you just assure me that this is not going to give Tom Brady fuel to do something uh, that, you know, Look, right now we should all expect Tom Brady to just pull this out, right? Like Tom, Tom eats, like, four-leaf clovers for breakfast. And- <laughs> His pillow is made of rabbit's feet. Like I don't really know. No one should be surprised at all if, like, if the Bucks go on a run here and and get things done. And I, I mean, they don't. This is a pretty easy. Not, I guess not easy because you know the Eagles present their own problems. But uh, as as far as like matchups for the Bucks, yeah. I like right. think that this is about as good as it gets for Tampa Bay because you know Tampa Bay. Their good thing is that they really good at shutting down the run. Vita Vea just got paid a ton of money because he's really good at a sh- shutting down the run, and that's what the Eagles are going to try to do. Uh, I think that this is a bad matchup for the Eagles, right? Uh, Eagles offense, and then you know Tom gets to start his little magical journey where, oh no, somehow Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl without Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin, and he's winning his eighth Super Bowl. This is this is where the the journey starts. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want you to say that. I wanted you to back off. Like, like uh, no. Nah, in this the, weird year, of course, who's, who's going to win it in like the weirdest uh, year since I guess last year? The, right now, Tom Brady's third string wide receiver, according to the depth chart, here is uh, Cyril Grayson, who's actually doubtful. 
Uh, but he's a second year player who had 10 catches this year for 212 yards. Uh, like he a touchdown against the Jets. Yeah. Because Tom eats Flippy Flow's breakfast. Do you think Tom Brady dropped his clothing line today? I think it's been in development for years. And like one of the things I saw was just a t shirt that says Brady on it. Uh, like, do you think if I buy that, I can just like, do you think luck will just come to me? Like, yeah. Should I just probably. try it? Just Probably just give it a go, and you know around. things are going to end up well for you just because Tom Brady graced uh, <laughs> it with his name. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly how it's going to go down. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, we'll you know we'll have some stuff looking uh, more deeply at these games coming up. We're going to shoot a video and uh, break down some of the more important things. So we'll have some more discussion of that. But let's talk. Uh, let's go through you know the Black Monday. Uh, the 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 dis you know the 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 cleansing of the NFL of the uh, the coaches who who have failed this time around um, it's it's amazing man uh, yeah. to have Brian Flores be like the guy he was the surprise and the Miami Dolphins move on from Brian Flores who I, it sounds like it came down to sort of a, per, a behind the scenes personal thing between him and Chris Greer or there was something going on that it wasn't working. But Flores, it's like, you know, I mean, he's clearly done a great job uh, in certain areas throughout his tenure uh, with with the Dolphins. Uh, they never figured out the quarterback position, um, you know, Tua sort of just turned out to be uh, the floor version of Tua, you know, a guy who could who could move the ball around, but not really uh, not really a game breaker. But the fact that he was sort of the definitive guy who was booted out, and then we already talked about Joe Judge took forever uh, for them to to make that decision, and it seems like like you know it seemed like they really wanted him to stick around, but there yeah. were just enough things across the line. Uh, just messy, man. I mean, you know, Mike Freeman uh, from USA Today tweeted that. Uh, a lot of black coaches talk about the fact that they're on a much shorter leash than any other coach that they, you know, that they just don't get as many chances. I'm sure Jim Caldwell would tell you that Jim Caldwell is a a winning NFL coach. Uh, And uh, much to the consternation of all of us who've been talking about this for a while, like the names being surfaced for all these jobs, like Bill O'Brien apparently is the top guy for the Jaguars opening. Like, I mean, this is just, like how how have we got to this point where we are just regurgitating these same old dudes uh, over and over again uh, and failing to even think about uh, you know I hope Byron Leftwich and uh, Eric Bieniemy will will get real shots but it's it's frustrating man yeah I mean it, it was just really surprising I guess to see him get fired because <laughs> not not that like. Like obviously, every single job is going to be coveted uh, just because they're NFL jobs. But that the spot that he was walking into was not a good spot. Uh, just for any anyone trying to put together a, a winning resume or just like a, a legacy, because remember they were tearing it down to start off uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. You know, the first game that kicked off Lamar Jackson's MVP campaign was against the Dolphins when you have like more touchdowns and incompletions. So uh, it's not like he was walking into this great situation. And then I, I, I thought they, like based on the pieces that they had, they kind of maxed it out uh, mm-hmm. each year where, you know, you go from that horrible year in 2019 to 
you know, being on the, the doorsteps of the playoff spots uh, in back-to-back years. And unfortunately, you have the horrible performances late in the season when you need uh, to get across the finish line. But uh, for what they had, especially on offense, like with quarterback and offensive line limitations, I thought that they kind of did as good as they could have. I, and I know maybe he uh, rubbed some people the wrong way in the building and they had a, a big revolving door of coordinators and assistant coaches. So right. uh, I don't know if, if you know his personality kind of wore down on people, but uh, based on like what they did on the field, I don't really see – how there's an argument that they should have fired him because you know they got the defense back in working motion and then the offense was just this is kind of what you're stuck with when you can't block and you don't really have a quarterback that's physically threatening you know yeah it's um it's it's interesting uh charles curtis other charles as we sometimes call him uh did a ranking of the jobs and he went so uh, from least desirable to most. He went New York Giants, uh, Minnesota Vikings, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, Jacksonville Jaguars, Miami Dolphins at two, and then Raiders at one. Uh, I I do not. I, I don't know that I feel that way about this Dolphins franchise right now. Uh, he notes that they have the the most. Uh, they they're expected to have the most cap room, but cap space. Generally does not get you a quarterback. <laughs> Cap space, you know, you you generally overpay for guys who are on the decline with caps. So like that's that's really what you get usually with uh, with free agents. You can you can plug some holes here and there. You can sort of work on the bottom of the roster, but it's tough to really build with cap space. So I'm not. I don't know how to feel about this this opening at this point. Um, when Flores, meanwhile, like he's getting a lot of uh, traction. I think the the Bears wanted to yeah. talk to him. And uh, what I mean, do you do we have any evidence that his personality wore down on people? Is he that type of guy? Like they're both Belichick guys, right? And we know that another that Patricia tried to be like a Belichick clone type guy and just rough and grumble and. Uh, sort of say my way or the highway to the players and Joe judge, you know, famously made them run and do all the goofy football man shit. Uh, is Flores that way? Like what, what do we think actually caused that the the people to sour on him down there? I, I don't, I really don't know. Um, right. I guess the, the biggest thing was to me would be, you know, how do you have, you know, what three or four offensive coordinators in three years, Right. Uh, you know, you have a couple defensive coordinators as well. Uh, like lots of changes on the staff every year. I guess that 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 would be like maybe the biggest, uh, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire thing. Right. But uh, that's still not like definitive proof. So uh, I, I I'm not sure. Like, it, and it was just kind of funny, you know. After of course after he gets fired, now you're hearing like all the reports, like all the people spilling tea about, uh, you know how you know, tough it was to work with him. Uh, I think Barry Jackson, uh, you know, the big journalist down there in Miami, he wrote a story uh, that went over some of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this is kind of what happens. And this is why, you know, you're starting to see more black coaches uh, just talk about how frustrated they are because the guy was brought in to rebuild the Dolphins and they got a pretty good start, but they just didn't get quarterback right. And I don't really know, how much he specifically is to blame for that. 
Right. I, I imagine if they drafted Justin Herbert, he's not getting fired today. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, another place where they did not get the quarterback right and it cost the coach his job is Minnesota. Uh, Mike Zimmer. This felt like a little bit like a divorce. It feels like Zimmer yeah. was uh, not super happy uh, most of the year. You know, he was very vocal about wanting his players to get vaccinated and uh, just feeling frustrated that they weren't and possibly costing uh, costing the team games. Uh, and it's just been a while and this team has just sort of hummed along at the, you know, I, I guess there's no such thing as a 500 team in the NFL anymore, but you know, right around, right around there, you know, just felt like not much going with this team, but Mike Zimmer is a really, really good coach. Uh, and this situation didn't right. Didn't work. And, and Minnesota, I think they're one of the ones that is starting all the way over too, right? They fired Spielman as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, so you know a, a total rebuild with with the problem being that uh, getting rid of the problem, which is Kirk Cousins, uh, is would cost this team forty five million dollars in dead cap. Forty five million, it's <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> so it's not even like they can really start over. I mean, I don't even know where this team, where this franchise goes from here at this point. Yep, uh, it, it's it's a tough spot for the to be in. Uh, because I don't know, because you, you have enough pieces where you can kind of trick yourself into thinking maybe if we can just get the right quarterback in here, we can figure something out. But I don't even know what quarterback you go after. Uh, right. I think it's kind of funny looking at this offseason and knowing last year uh, that if Justin Fields had fallen to their pick, they would have taken him. Uh, and that would have left them in a pretty good situation uh, that they currently uh, are, not, are not in. But, you know, you still have enough offensive talent that uh i don't know if it's quite worth blowing up just yet i think you can you should try to keep this nucleus together Mm -hmm. uh, as long as it makes sense i still think it does make sense to just give it another go but you know you gotta figure out what you're gonna try to do at uh quarterback because kirk cousins as we've seen you know he, he can have his moments but he's not the guy who's gonna get you across the finish line right uh another team with a Defensive mastermind coach that, uh, you know, just again, didn't figure it out a quarterback for certain, uh, but just didn't come together was the Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio now out there. Uh, man, I mean, obviously a lot of people are making this connection, but if Brandon Staley can get him to to join the Chargers and, and focus on that defense, like uh, that, that could be pretty, pretty interesting. Um, Denver, you know, I like they they tried the Teddy Bridgewater route. Um they that obviously didn't work uh you know rumors that they would be in it if Aaron Rodgers moves around like but like again for me I I evaluate all these jobs like what sort of quarterback situation do you have and Denver has one that's up in the air um so it's I'm not sure how how good of a job this is is it the Denver job is kind of interesting to me because it seems like Dan Quinn is getting a lot of traction there okay um, which is a little bit odd to me because I don't know. Didn't you just like have you had Vic Fangio, you know, Vic right. Fangio which I don't know. I mean, Vic Fangio is somewhere I can definitely see him rubbing the people the wrong way after mm-hmm. a while. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think that you could definitely do worse than hiring Dan Quinn because even after like they had some success after Shanahan left, uh, cause they made the playoffs the following year and then they went like seven and nine, two years in a row after that or something like that. Uh, so you know, it, it, it you could do worse than Dan Quinn, but I, I think that firing 
fake Fangio for Dan Quinn is kind of weird. Uh, right. Unless Dan can bring along like a, a really superb offensive mind, which maybe he can. Because, right. you know, two of his OC hires are pretty solid. And then you, you know, got Dirk at the end, which kind of tanked you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We haven't talked about Dirk in a while. Uh, all right. Which, uh, okay. So I haven't, I, I'm going to save. Uh, Chicago and Jacksonville for last, because to me, those are the the two most appealing jobs. Uh, Other Charles had the Raiders at number one. Um, I, you know, I think, I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's name. Rich Bisaccia. Bisaccia. Yeah. Uh, The interim coach. Like, yeah, he's done. He did an incredible job. We talk about this every week. Like the Raiders should, the Raiders should just be like uh, in the fetal position crying after everything yeah. that happened this season. Um, so for him to get this much out of the team, and he's like he's like a David Culley type guy. He's just been around football forever, started way at the bottom, uh, really had not – I don't even know if he'd been a head coach anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. He's like just sort of worked his way and just was one of those guys who like football – other football coaches knew and, and brought him onto the staff, and he was always like you know an associate head coach or whatever, like uh, sort of a right-hand man for coaches. Uh, and he did a great job. Um, you know, this team's obviously going to the playoffs, but I'm not sure long term how great this job is. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's I Mark Davis showed that he's going to spend a lot of money last time, right? He paid, he gave John Gruden a 10 year, $100 million contract, so that's a nice part about it. But, um, you know, this, I'm not sure this, this job, like, it's, it's obviously a market where. Uh, you're new to the market. Fans are probably there's probably sort of a honeymoon to it, uh, so it's that part of it's probably nice. But again, you're probably not really dealing with a top flight quarterback and um, some other questions going around it. So I, I do think at this point, I think they are, Derek Carr has done enough like to get another contract from mm-hmm. the Raiders. Uh, and then I, I think once you get Derek Carr in there, like here, the thing with Derek Carr is. His bad moments just look so bad, like just dumb. And like, like his bad moments look like a bottom, like two quarterback. But right. I think, the, I think when you just kind of look at the production profile over the past couple of years, he probably has earned a shot to stay there for uh, a little bit longer. And then this year, uh, he, he definitely had some poor moments again. But uh, I think down the stretch, he was kind of the reason why they ended up here because it's not like they're. Like they lost Henry Ruggs, as we know. The offensive line right. been really bad. You lose John Gruden, and then the one main constant is Derek Carr. And like I say, he had his down moments, but I think overall, at least you kind of have a somewhat of a quarterback. You have a quarterback who you at least know you can make the playoffs with uh, as you move forward, and then you're going to get this market and hopefully, uh, hopefully, a pretty long leash. So I think I don't think it's like the the worst job. I think the hardest part is kind of like the Broncos' job. What are you gonna do to combat the two alien quarterbacks in your division? Like, <laughs> you're you're in. I think you're in a better spot than Denver is because Derek Carr is a lot better than whatever the hell that they got going on or what they're gonna try to figure out. But, uh, you know, as we saw on Sunday, you the Raiders won that game, but when the Chargers needed Justin Herbert to make a play, he did literally every single time. Oh my all, gosh. Those fourth, all those, fourth, all those fourth down conversions. Oh my God. And the, the touchdown on fourth and 21, like just like barely squeezed that ball in there. Uh, and then we, we obviously know what Mahomes can do. So, you know, fighting those two guys is going to be the tough part, but 
at least you got yeah you're you're also a better start than the Broncos are probably now. I think the Broncos, if like they probably, if they could just take Derek Carr, put it on their team now, right, right, good. it would be really good because they have a, they yeah. have a lot of offensive weapons. Like they build a they build a good offense, but and a good defense too. So. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, just a quarterback know. away. Yeah, and then the Raiders are kind of like the rest of the team away. <laughs> uh, all right, so I I saved the Bears Jags for last. I'm gonna go Bears uh, with for me this. I, I you know I th- I think Trevor Lawrence showed right in week 18 like okay there's there's the Trevor Lawrence we've been waiting for like yeah. you have a ton to work for I love Justin Fields too I think maybe the Bears ownership is more of a mess like Shad Khan cares a lot uh you know yeah. he obviously made a bad decision with Urban Meyer uh you know he but for as much as we said like no this guy's the wrong guy he's not going to fit in the pros like I get it. He, he's won a ton in college, right? Like he's, you know, I, I, I sort of understood the, the impulse. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like Shad Khan is a little bit more workable uh, than what the Bears have going on as far as if it's you're a head coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the Bears and the Bears are starting over completely too, right? They so they yeah. Need, they need Pace, general manager. Yeah. Maggie got the boot. Right. So. So, you know, this probably depends on who they hire as the GM and how you feel about them, uh, how 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 much you want this job. But Justin Fields is a ton to work with. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, like we didn't see much of it this year. There was we, we covered it on this show. It's his treatment was just weird all year. You know, Nagy's sort of reluctance to to put him in his reluctance to build the offense around him, his. Uh, just continuing to sort of trot out the idea that Andy Dalton needed to play and Fields needed time uh, was all sort of ludicrous. Um, but yeah. Justin Fields is a stud, man. He's really good. Yeah, he uh, he he makes the Bears' job attractive, like by himself. Even right. though you don't have a first round pick, and whew, you got you got to retool a lot of that roster, especially on on offense. Um, you like you just got to get more talent in around Justin Fields. But I think they have some cap space, so. Look, if you can find a GM, head coach duo that gets along and, and kind of has a shared vision on what the offense should look like, then uh, that's a pretty good job to have. Because I think, you know, just you know, based on his surroundings and, and the coaching and the offensive line situation, and you had Allen Robinson, who basically revealed at the end of the season that he had been basically trying to work his way back from COVID all season long and never really right. quite got back. Uh, I thought the Justin Fields – but to me, he was the most impressive rookie quarterback. I know Trevor Lawrence had that game, but uh, yeah. the whole tally is he's not the Justin Fields put together. Wow. Uh, like the most exciting tape in terms mm-hmm. of like who's going to be a superstar yeah. uh, in the future. So, you, you know, you're starting with that. You still got some pieces on defense like Eddie Jackson, Roquan Smith, who's probably going to be getting a new contract in a couple months. Uh, still got Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks. So, you know, there, there are some pieces there, but – Obviously, the the big thing is getting the offense in the right direction because the Bears' offense, like they haven't had one in a long time. Maybe since like Cutler was there and they made the NFC Championship game, right? Uh, and then Jacksonville, you know, it's Trevor Lawrence. You got you got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the rest of the roster's got to be built out, but uh, that's like a, a pretty nice start. I I can't imagine why. It, you know, certainly a, an offensive-minded coach wouldn't want that job. Like it's, uh, it's just a lot to start with. Generational prospect who's really shown that he can do it. Um, you know, so that's a that's a big job. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about your list of 
guys. Uh, I just want to clarify. So, so you did a story, 2022 NFL head coaching candidates. Uh, and you're basically, I mean, you're ranking these by how much you like them. Oh, I, I don't, I wasn't trying to rank them. Okay. I, okay. Really I'm, I'm going to take it that way. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to bend, the, bend your words and be like, <laughs> Brian Flores is the top coach of Charles McDonald's. Four words <laughs> says Brian Flores is the only guy you should hire. Uh, but yeah, I like, I love this list. I'm just going to run through it. Uh, and then we can talk about a couple guys. You want, you have Flores first, Jim Harbaugh. Um, Byron Leftwich, we talked a ton about him. We thought we think he would be a perfect fit in Jacksonville. Eric Bieniemy, God, this guy's got to get, yeah, uh, he's got to get a chance. Matt Eberflus is the defensive coordinator for the Annapolis Colts. Uh, his name is probably going to get some buzz just because of how well Nick Sirianni has done with the Eagles. Uh, Nick Sirianni was, you know, uh, an unknown <laughs> coming from the Colts to the Eagles last year. Everybody made fun of the hire, and all he did was take them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kellen Moore. Uh, yeah, I mean, offense coordinator for Cowboys. Everyone has loved his play calling since he started doing it. Nathaniel Hackett is the offense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. What does an offensive coordinator do if they don't call plays? I, I'm not asking to be sarcastic. I'm literally asking, like, uh, you're he's, prob- he's probably co- like coming up with some of the scripting of plays. And yeah, you're coming up with, like, part of the script. Mm-hmm. You're getting in on, like if, like, if we're in, you know, second and eight on our own. 30 yard line like what are plays that we're going to try to run like game plans like you're right. you're trying to find like help isolate defenders like you're going to try to attack during the week so you know you're right. not taking the active like super active role on game day but you know it's right. still still a, a pretty big role to have and and to me that's per like the downfall of so many coaches who are great coordinators and become head coaches they don't let go of enough on game day like you yeah. can't you know, or you have to have a guy like Hackett who's next to you helping you. Like you have to have one or the other, but too many guys try to do everything uh, and it doesn't work out. Dan Quinn, we talked a little bit about him. He's number eight on your list. Jim Caldwell, this dude deserves another chance. Yeah, if I was ranking, he'd be much higher on this okay. list. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no question. Just a guy who deserves another shot. Jared Mayo, yeah. the, uh, the, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's called the linebackers coach. He's kind of like like the Brian Flores, like they're the new right. Brian Flores. Okay. Except yeah. I, except I don't because uh, Brian Flores last year he was like the play caller for the Pagers defense, but yeah, uh, it's, uh, Belichick is always like really weird about it. He doesn't yeah. tell. He doesn't like to tell people who's calling plays. Uh, yeah, but this this year, uh. Or basically since like 2019, since Flores left, it's been like split between Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick. So right, right. I, I'm, I've, I don't really know how serious teams are taking him as a candidate. I don't know if he's just like one of these, well, be hired to be interviewed a black guy to check off our Rooney rule list because we, I'd be kind of surprised that someone who's just been coaching for three years is going to be a NFL coaching candidate. But, hey, he's, he's out there in the news. Yeah. And then Todd Bowles, uh, you have at uh, number eleven, you know, uh, been been the defense coordinator with the Bucks for a couple of years now. Had the impossible job with the Jets, uh, you know, just uh, it's, that job is just a graveyard, man. So uh, probably another guy who deserves uh, deserves a shot. Uh, who? So who do you like most among this group? Uh, and obviously, you know, fit is always important, right? Like you, if yeah. you were hiring for one team, you might hire one guy. But uh, who who do you think here is? Um, I think that Byron Leftwich is a good option, but I think the most 
interesting option to me is Jim Caldwell, Caldwell just because, I mean, in terms of guys who have like been in the NFL and had success, like they usually don't hit the open market like this, you know? Right. Uh, you know, going back to this time in Indianapolis, he was assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach from 2002 to 2008. Uh, then he was a head coach from 2009 to 2011. And it was kind of surprising that he got fired there because uh, <laughs> because like the only reason that they fell off was because the GM had been built him so bad that as soon as Peyton Manning got hurt, like the entire thing just fell apart. Right. Uh, then they went two and 14. And then, you know, he spent a couple years with the uh, Ravens as an offensive coordinator and they won a Super Bowl. Uh, and then he goes to Detroit and he has a winning record in Detroit. Like I think he was like eight games over 500 and then he got fired again. So uh, basically everywhere he's, he's been has had a ton of success. Uh, the offenses get better. The quarterbacks get better. Uh, and he's just kind of been sitting out here for a while. Uh, and now he's, I know he's trying to get his name back out there uh, to be a potential head coach. When you look at his resume, I really don't see why you wouldn't want to hire him or at least give him a shot to have like a real role within your organization. Right. Uh, the Jim Harbaugh thing is interesting, obviously. Like he, I, I, I remember writing, speaking of times we were wrong, I wrote, you know, when he was – his name was up for the Michigan job. I was like, why would this guy ever go back to Michigan? Coaching in college is terrible. You got to spend all your time recruiting like dudes who have success at the NFL level. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is 44, 19 and one as an NFL head coach. Like he, he should have been able to get whatever job he wanted. I was like, there's no way he's going back to Michigan. And he takes the Michigan job. Now he finally has a good season at Michigan and his name is resurfacing with NFL uh, teams. We know there's one place he absolutely will not go. And that's Jacksonville. Cause he had a falling out with Trent Baalke, oh, yeah, uh, with the 49ers uh, that like, that's actually probably where he would, you know, where I would want him. Like if, if I were just designing the world, like give, give uh trevor lawrence harbaugh because harbaugh really can coach i'm not you know yeah. sort of a, he's i'm not not in love with the guy with the person but uh he's a really good coach is there a good fit for him anywhere the raiders are coming up he's apparently close with with uh mark Day, yeah, you know, I, Davis. I, I think the raiders make sense um mm-hmm. because we i mean we saw his success he had with uh alex smith like when alex smith was uh Man, but Alex Smith before Harbaugh, that dude was terrible. Right, like, right. right. <laughs> he, he was like legitimately one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And then I, just like on a side, like it's kind of interesting that if you go back and like go to Pro Football Reference and look at Alex Smith's, um, like the first five years, years of his career, it's honestly incredible that he even got to start that many games based on like how <laughs> we're, we're pulling guys now. But uh, like Harbaugh, he he has a NFL pedigree. Uh, in terms of getting the most out of quarterbacks, we saw what he did with Alex Smith, and then uh, right. Colin Kaepernick had his best years under Harbaugh uh, mm-hmm. as well. Before you know, they had a, a little power struggle, or not a little power struggle, big power struggle in for- in San Francisco that uh, ended up with Harbaugh basically kind of being forced to leave. So, uh, and, you know, if, if you look at uh, the 49ers drafts, like after Harbaugh left, you know, it, it fell apart real fast for them. Uh, so I think that he's shown his value to an NFL organization. Uh, he's kind of peaking at the right time with Michigan. Uh, I don't know when his stock's going to be higher. So uh, if he wants to get back into the NFL game, which seems like he does, uh, the Raiders make a whole lot of sense because you already have a quarterback that we know can play at some level. So if he can kind of take that up a notch, 
uh, and then figure out the run game a little bit. Uh, you know, there, there are pieces there for for the Raiders and Harbaugh, and I think that that marriage makes a lot of sense. And you know that Mark Davis is just gonna go, "Ooh, what's the flashiest thing that I can find?" Uh, right, right. Biggest, biggest name looks cool. Uh, Jim Harbaugh to Vegas. It seems like a pretty good fit. Right. Uh, and let's also remember that last year, I think, do we have the same number of openings? Is it seven again? It feels like it's like almost always seven openings in the NFL. Um, <laughs> like I, yeah. I, uh, I really think that most years it is. Uh, last year we had seven and there were a bunch that were chalk, right? Like Brandon Staley, everybody fell absolutely in love with Brandon Staley's defense with the Rams and everybody knew like, okay, that's a guy. Arthur Smith's offense with the Titans. Everyone was like, yep, Arthur Smith needs to get a job. Robert Sala had been talked about for a while uh, as a 49ers defense coordinator. So, like, those three were like, yeah, okay, we get it. And then Urban Meyer, people had talked about that forever. Uh, like, if if somebody can lure Urban Meyer, then that's a, that's a homer. Like, you know, with the caveats that we always talked about. But uh, people in football circles – understood why that would happen. So we sort of we 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 were able to project those that those sorts of hires. Uh the ones that were we could not were Nick Sirianni, uh who as we've already mentioned did a really good job, you know, sort of the little known offensive coordinator for the Colts. Uh Dan Campbell was, you know, based, like the tight ends coach for for the Saints, just not a guy that many people knew much about uh and then david cully who was with the ravens uh those guys came out of nowhere so the same thing could happen again this year because there's because honestly those hires all kind of worked out right like we love what dan campbell did with the lions you know just everything stacked against him got his team to play hard same thing with david cully like neither Mm -hmm. one of those guys had any shot and their teams at least played hard um you know, if you're if you're rebuilding, which a bunch of these franchises we just talked about are, uh, that's sort of what you want, right? As someone to put in a good culture, uh, and maybe maybe that maybe this changes the way that teams look at at hiring. Yeah, I think it should. Because um, I I maybe we got a little bit too far in just like hiring the best offensive mind. Maybe it's just got you really got to get in these interviews and just figure out like who's the just the best person uh, for this job because. You know, the the duties of being a head coach go beyond just, you know, offensive play calling or defensive play calling. Like, you're responsible for, uh, you know, basically being, like, the face of an organization. So, you know, I, I think finding someone who can come in there and really work with people well is is uh, has, has kind of become an underrated thing in the way that we talk about, uh, you know, being a head coach. Because, you know, I feel like we get caught up on, all right, well, who's the hottest offensive defensive coordinator? But, uh, you know, it, it, it really does – go beyond just that, like the raw play calling stuff, you know, you have to be a, a, a leader and be able to figure out how to get people in the right spots. And uh, it's not, not an easy job to do. Not everyone's been off for it. Yeah. Uh, Steven Holder from the athletic, uh, you know, he's based in Indy covers the Colts a lot, but he's doing more national stuff for them. Uh, just a writer that I really admire. He, he sort of tackled this today talking about like how, you know, NFL teams obviously get it wrong so often. Um, what is the cause of it? And I, you know, I'm not sure it's actually all that complicated as we've been talking about. It's like owners who just sort of chase what's shiny or think that they're right or, you know, follow their gut or whatever. They're not, they're not really going to pretend that like all these teams are going through a, a grinded out process where they're taking everything into account and talking to everyone, getting all the background information. They like, that's not what's happening. Like this stuff happens so quickly and it's just sort of done. 
uh, willy nilly. You know, I, I had to laugh the other day. I was uh, somebody was reminiscing about how Belichick apparently, like when the Giants were considering Joe Judge, they were also thinking about uh, some of the other coaches on his staff. Uh, and he recommended Joe Judge. And like, if Bill Belichick told me to take one of his coaches, I would not listen to him. I would take the other guy. Because yeah. Bill Belichick's not going to actually tell me who's good. He's Bill fucking Belichick. Like, he's yeah. not. He's not going to give away who who to actually take. So, uh, yeah. So it's it, you know these processes are just like we sit here and we break them down as if it's like oh they're going through. Uh, they're spending every hour uh, taking into every variable into account. Like that's not, it's, yeah. it all happens so quickly. There's so much backroom stuff. And a lot of these owners are just as impressionable as your rabid fan in a bar on a yep. Sunday. Like right. just because gotta, someone has a whole lot bunch of money doesn't mean that right. their decision-making process is more th- thorough. And to, to that point, literally today, John Mara said that he wishes in the past he had taken more time uh, in the head coaching search, because I remember when <laughs> I was um, when I, I mean, because I, I, I was I was covering the Giants for the Daily News uh, mm-hmm. during the the Joe Judge hiring process, right. and <laughs> you know it, it wasn't it was like one of the worst kept secrets around like the organization that you know they wanted Matt Rule, which is also funny in its own right, looking at how the Matt Rule stuff had turned out there, right. uh, and Carolina offered him such a crazy deal that. Uh, they couldn't even get Matt Rule on the plane. And Matt Rule was like by far their number one choice. Like they thought when they were going to come interview him, he's from Manhattan, had some job with the Giants in the past. They thought they were just going to be able to get him. And when they couldn't even get him on a plane to come to interview for the job, uh, they kind of panicked a little bit. And somehow they just like quickly turned into turned to Joe Judge. And then uh, John Mara said that Joe Judge had like the best head coaching interview he'd ever had. And that was kind of it. Uh, and, I'm, you know, that's how you end up getting Joe Judge. Right. Yeah. I mean, a guy who is good at interviewing is not necessarily good at leading a, yeah. you know. Yeah. Bill Belichick gave the, the cosign and that was that was it, really. So, you yeah. know, these these owners, if Joe, if Bill Belichick tells them to do something, they, they might do it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they're, they're still, you know, they don't know as much about the game as uh, people would think. Right. All right, let's uh, let's jump over to the mock draft. Uh, my quick takeaway from your first attempt at this mock draft is uh, edge heavy top of the draft. I think four of the first ten and the first two picks you have here are edge rushers. Uh, you have the Jaguars taking Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon. You have Detroit um, sticking with a Michigan guy, Aiden Hutchinson. At two, and then at four, I think, is where you have the Purdue guy going to the Jets, George Karlaftis. And then one more on here. Where is he? Seven. Yeah, David Ahabo, the uh, the other Michigan guy. Yeah. Um, the other side of that pass rush. Uh, what, do you, what do you see in these guys? I mean, is this a special class or just a situation where these guys are sort of the best players from this group? But, um, I don't know if it's a special class because, uh, there like there's no like Miles Garrett, like, even Thibodeau as right. good as he is, he's not. There's, there's no Chase Young, and like right, Chase Young no was Chase not Young. good there's this no, year. There's <laughs> no, there's no Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa like level right. talent, right. but there are still like a lot of good players. Uh, like Thibodeau, uh, I have him going first overall to Jacksonville. Aiden Hutchinson, 
to the Lions going number two. I think like in drafts where there's a more dominant, you know, couple of players at the top and actually quarterbacks people want, uh, these are probably guys that to me would probably go like closer to like eight, nine, ten in that range. But uh, I think this year it's kind of unique and they're being pushed up because there aren't really any quarterbacks to be, you know, mm-hmm. taking that high. There's no Kyle Pitts level talent where you just look at right. that and jumps off the table. Though. Right. Right. Uh, so these guys are going to get pushed up the draft, which is good for them. Like they're still quality players, but you know, I, I think that top of this draft might not be as great as, you know, previous draft classes, but that's not to say that these guys aren't great players because they are, but they aren't like quite that dominant level that you think of with a, a number one overall pick. Uh, you have two quarterbacks, I think, in the top ten. That my uh, my page is not loading correctly. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Maybe is not maybe not an endorsement for our website. But uh, Kenny Pickett, I think you had at six for the for the Panthers, and then Matt Corral, uh, the Ole Miss. QB going nine to the Denver Broncos. Is this a case where you think those guys are actually good enough to go there or a case where you, you are acknowledging that NFL teams will reach for a quarterback every day? I don't think these guys are worth (laughs) Personally, I don't think they're worth it. Where would they be on your big board? If I had had a big board, which I would hopefully will not do, uh, (laughs) I, I, I probably have them somewhere like day two. Right. They don't do anything special for me, but but we know the NFL is going to do this. They did it a couple right. of years ago with um, Daniel Jones. He got pushed up draft boards. Uh, so, uh, like, I mean, not just to be blunt, like, you got these two white guys who put up a bunch of big numbers and right. no one else is here. So, right. uh, yeah, I think that's kind of why they're being pushed up the, uh, the draft boards. So, you got Kenny Pickett going to six in Carolina. Um, he's, I think he's going to play like the anti Sam Darnold in the NFL, where Maybe you're not going to take the the big chances uh, and try to go for big plays as often, but you're not going to turn the ball over as much, or, or hopefully not. Uh, then with Matt Corral, I mean, he's got an arm, but that offense is uh, it's not really you're not really doing a whole lot of stuff that you do in the NFL, and I don't I don't think that uh, he's like an irreplaceable guy for Ole Miss that they're going to miss a lot. I imagine whoever they put in there next year will probably be putting up the same number, so. Uh, I don't. I don't really understand the Matt Corral hype. To me, he's just kind of like one of these like Big Twelve quarterbacks that come out every year. Even, I know he's an SEC, but you know, just one of these random Big Twelve quarterbacks that puts up a bunch of numbers, but uh, doesn't really do a whole lot that gets me excited for the pro game. Yeah. Uh, who are some guys on your list? I don't, don't want to go through the whole list. People can you can find it on for the win yeah. uh, if you want to read the whole yeah, thing. Don't argue my mentions, please, because they're really bad right now. So, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, who are some of these guys that that you really like? Guys that maybe you put uh, on this list that you think are are good values, even where you have them. Uh, a ten, I, I have Charles Cross going to the Jets. Um, man, like I, I. I've, I didn't do like my mock draft based on like what I would do, but if I was doing this, stick, he would be a lot higher. Um, I mean, maybe even to the Texans at like three, like this kid is incredible. Uh, he's pretty young. I think he's like just turned 21. So uh, he's got a, like a humongous upside. Uh, if you, you just want to see uh, him play against someone else who's supposed to be a first round prospect, watch him against Texas A&M. Uh, he he gets matched up on Demarvin Beal and he just shuts him down like the entire game. Like he's absolutely incredible. Uh, so he's one. Uh, Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean 
you know, got to give a shout out to my my Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, hmm. I mean, if you're trying to upgrade your run defense, uh, one of those guys it will definitely get you moving back in the right direction. Uh, and then I, I like I, I put Jameson Williams in the first round still, because uh, you're just you're just gonna be hard pressed to find guys like that big, that explosive, that fast that can you know be legitimate deep threats like him. So even though he tore his ACL the other night, which is pretty unfortunate, I still think he's gonna wind up uh, in the first round because it seems like it was just an ACL tear. We know that those aren't death sentences like they used to be in the past. So uh, right. I think he's still gonna get drafted pretty high. And when you're someone who can like legitimately run four two and be uh, an elite deep threat for an offense that needs one, I think that someone's still going to roll the dice on it pretty high. But it's probably going to be a playoff team, right? I, a couple picks that are a couple guys fascinating to me is uh, Tyler Lind- Linderbaum, who I, it seems to me like he's only going to be a center. Uh, he's like a little bit on the smaller side, uh, but. I, I mean, I guess he's just good enough. I mean, he's top 15 in most mock drafts I've seen. Like, I guess that it's just like a set it and forget it thing where he's if you if you draft this guy, the the, the thought seems to be that you can put him in there. And for the next 10 years, you've got your center, uh, which is you know obviously an important position, but generally yeah. not like a, a premium one. Yeah, I think for um, for him, I it makes it, it makes sense. Just I list them just like interior line for the mm-hmm. pick where I put them for the Eagles, uh, because they've they they showed this year that they'll play uh they play they play Leonard Dickinson at guard and he plays mm-hmm. center at Alabama. So uh, just for that team, I think it makes sense to list them as broadly because he, I don't know if they're going to slide Landon over to center when Jason Kelsey moves yeah, on. That's to a good play point. Center, yeah. so that's why I just gave the broad label so I could stop thinking about it. yeah uh all right anything else here anything else we want to talk about with the mock draft uh i think desmond ritter is a really interesting prospect uh but you know his name's desmond and you know (laughs) he's not white so he's going at the end of the first round uh i don't i don't think his alabama game is like indicative of who he really is as a player like I don't know. You played a game with it where the other team had a lot better players than you did. Uh, their supporting cast is uh, a lot better than yours is. They have five right. stars. You have three star teammates. So I don't really think that that game is indicative of who he is. Uh, and even that game, still, he may still make some big time throws. So he's a guy. He's got like all the talent in the world. I think to be a good passer, they, uh, you know, they asked him to do quite a bit. Actually, like the deep concepts on on Cincinnati's film. Like if you go watch him, so. Right. I think he's someone who maybe doesn't go that high, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the best quarterback from this draft class. So I gave him to the lines at the end because it's, I think at 27, it makes sense to kind of roll a dice there because you're right. not getting a huge financial commitment. And if he kind of stinks, they, they have it set up with these rookie contracts and the, the wage scales where like if you pick Desmond Ritter at 27 and he's not good, that doesn't really even matter anymore. Right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we, we sort of mocked the NFL for its penchant to overinflate quarterback prospects and pick them no matter what. But like, you know, that probably happened with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert had all the look, right? Like he was big strapping quarterback who could throw the ball over the field. But like, you know, a lot of scouting reports pointed out that he had done nothing at Oregon. Like he, you know, he was not even all packed, packed 12. I mean, he was just sort of didn't seem to think the game properly. And now, Clearly, that was wrong, or somebody corrected it. Whatever happened, um, so 
it's not that it's always wrong to to overinflate quarterback like some sometimes it ends up being right but um uh, you know so there are guys i i think that we're bound to see that happen right we're bound to see like four or five qb names pop up it's like oh he's the hot guy and maybe he maybe he's going to be the steal um uh, but yeah ritter is is a guy who I like that. That's a crafty pick by you there. Um, yep. So we'll see see sort of what happens through the draft process. All right, I think that's all we got for today's show. Um, yeah, we're gonna you know keep talking about football and tweeting about it and writing about it for the win. Uh, Twitter, find him at Fourverts. I'm at Chris Corman. Uh, you know, we'll be back with another show. Uh, we'll pop some videos. You can. Look at how handsome Chuck is and uh, discuss. We'll discuss, you know, what we're looking forward to this weekend. Uh, any closing thoughts? Yep. No closing thoughts from us. Yep. We're just out. We're just out. We're just out. Playoffs. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports.